funny how? It'd be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. So I'll tell you, there's about a 82% chance this is going to be a good episode and about a 35% chance you're going to deliver anything at all. <laughs> hey, I like that percentage. So which one? Because you should not like the second one. No, the second one, 35% chance that I'll offer uh, anything of value to anybody. Um, you know, I like those odds. Good God. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, guys, this is Jonathan here with Jacob. I, I cannot, I've been wanting to, you know, I'm just so excited. I am giddy like a schoolboy, as the kids say. I think they say that. I really don't know. They don't. Um, <laughs> I've been wanting to do this director for so long, but I kept stopping myself. Uh, I'm just excited. Anyway, how you doing? How's New York? Is it cold there? Because it's cold as fuck here. Yeah, it's freezing here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cold in the naked city. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the naked city. Ah, uh, uh, you know what that you know the, what we all talking about. When we say that the naked city. Yeah, of course. Uh, Conan O'Brien was joking around on his podcast the other day because he's in New York and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I keep hearing people use this term that I thought up like thirty years ago, and I guess it just kind of stuck." And they were like, "What was it?" And he's like, "I just started calling New York the Big Apple." <laughs> and now everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, everyone, every everyone. You go down the street and you hear people. Hey, I'm in the Big Apple over here. Yeah, you're taking a bite out of the Big Apple, are you? <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, um, you know, I feel like every you've never even stopped me from committing this 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 podcast crime. Every week, I always say who the director is in the movies, but. You already know if you click the episode. So now I feel like a fool. I've said that before. Um, I've said that before about like, oh, they if they if they clicked on the episode, they already know, you know. That's probably something I tuned out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this this week, S. Craig Zoller. I um I I, I words cannot it, it tell you how much I love this director and love the three movies he's done. Last year, I feel like we talked about his directorial debut accidentally or on purpose several times throughout the year. It became a running joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, it with, wasn't with accidentally. It was definitely on purpose. You, well, you, you're you obsessed with that movie. <laughs> Sometimes we would just kind of, you know, get near a way to put that into the conversation. And if I see an opportunity, I'm probably going to take it. Yeah, it's like um, it's me very, talking very, about Mad Men, you know. Yeah, or like me talking about another favorite, uh, Dursu. So, uh, oh Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> how do you think Dur- how do you think Dursu would do in drag the cost con- across concrete as, as like what would Dude, he be? Would he be the cops or would he be the? No, I don't. Dursu was too pure for any of this nihilistic, cynical tomfoolery that Mister Zoller is getting up to. Dursu is a pure soul. Okay. Uh, Right. Yeah, he, he he would be the guy showing up, like trying to give people water and and other shit, and they would just kill him. So, right. yeah, uh, which is sad. So anyway, oh good. Um, we uh, you really so we, you really took that idea out for a walk, didn't you? 
<laughs> we have have discussed Zoller before on here briefly, typically referring to uh, Bone Tomahawk. I think we've talked about Brawl because of me a couple of times. Uh, but anyway, what is your history with Zoller? Like, I, I know clearly Bone Tomahawk, it's the first movie. We both love that movie. But, like, outside of that, you know, I know this was your first time watching Dragged Across Concrete. Like, what's your history with this director. I'm sure you don't love him as much as I do, but you clearly do like him. So, yeah, I mean, my history with him as a director is, um, you know, basically linked, I mean, directly to you, honestly, because I, uh, I've, I initially watched Bone Tomahawk shortly after we started the podcast, I think, and uh, loved it. And then, I don't know, I think about a year ago, I watched uh, Riot in Cell Block 11. Uh, wait, is that the name of it? Did I just say the no, name wrong? Brawl. Yeah, terribly actually. I I think you got one word right. <laughs> uh, brawl, 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 and cell block ninety nine. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? Riot in cell block eleven is uh, is the Don Siegel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which is funny. You mentioned Don Siegel, but we'll get back to that. But yeah, no, yeah, that that's a great movie as well. Um, yeah, Riot and cell block. Yeah, no, um. Brawl in Cell Block 99. Um, yeah, I watched that about a year ago and, of course, really enjoyed it. And um, been meaning to get into Drag Across Concrete. Uh, but, you know, it's a little bit of a lengthy one. And uh, I just haven't, you know, there's so much shit to watch and just haven't got around to it. And then so I watched uh, that for this episode. So, yeah, basically, um, my relationship to S. Craig Zoller is... Uh, you know, is the movies that you tell me to watch <laughs> and that's about it. Um, you know, that's great. I'm so glad. Uh, so <laughs> he is a very interesting person. He is a novelist. He, he is, uh, not, not novelist. I'm sorry. He is a novel writer. What do you, what, can I use that word in that way? <laughs> oh, I think he's a novelist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess I was thinking novice in my head, which he is clearly not anyway. Yeah. He, he writes, he plays He's not music. a novice novelist. <laughs> <laughs> he did the entire score for Bone Tomahawk, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he does like, he, he does in a metal band too, right? Yeah, he's a musician. He's involved in every aspect of the film. He wants total control every time, which I think it's, I admire that. Lionsgate really wanted him to cut Drag to Cost Concrete down. Because for those of you that don't know, it's two hours and 38 minutes. Now, in my opinion, it never stops entertaining you because uh, because aside from some of the heinous shit that happens in it, it's a really cool hangout movie. Um, what, Dragged Across Concrete? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is you're you're trying to you're, you're hanging out with these characters because in my opinion, there's there's they're all I guess you could quote unquote antiheroes, but let's say protagonists for the sake of it. There's four of them, essentially. So it's really it's a really interesting dynamic when you get into drag. Um, so, I mean, he wants control of everything, and he didn't want to cut the movie down. All those little moments where Vince Vaughn is eating and Mel Gibson is annoyed or, or the follow scene that a lot of people think is too long. Like, there is I – wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to change anything. Point being, he, he likes Final Cut. He wants total control. He likes to go over background music. He likes to basically get lost in the weeds. And there's something about that I love because I'm excluding foreign directors because I'm not well-versed enough to say this about that. Um, But in terms of American filmmakers, there are very few 
what I would consider, and, and, I've, and I feel like I, I have a, a reasonable grasp on this because we watch way too many movies, there's very few true visionaries left that have a plan for everything and they don't want the studio to fuck with it at all because this is their artistic vision. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like that is, is really out there as much as, as it used to be. Do you agree with that? I mean, I'll say this. I think the unique thing about him is, and this is the same thing that separated uh, Shyamalan back in the day, um, which is that I agree with all that. He has, he, he certainly has a unique vision, but it's specifically related to genre filmmaking, which is, you know, usually when we talk about, you know, these kind of obsessive, like, you know, filmmakers who you know, have these distinct visions. It's, you know, the, the the David Finchers and the, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson's and whatever. But this is a guy who is um, essentially dedicating his career to, um, you know, grindhouse exploitation movies, you know, and, um, you, you know, making them with the same, care and um deliberation and slow pace of like you know licorice pizza or something you know what i mean like it's uh or i mean not licorice pizza there will be blood honestly like it's uh yeah it's it, i think that's what makes him unique he really kind of treats these um uh kind of grindhouse exploitation settings and then treats them like he's He's making, you know, Stalker, which uh, I think is really, really interesting. It's certainly a unique vision on today's landscape. I mean, he takes these 90 minute scenarios and stretches them into, you know, these two hour plus kind of slow meditations on violence. And it's um, it's really fascinating. It's, it's, it's really a fascinating, like the movie I kept thinking about when I was watching Dragged Across, Across Concrete is um, that Andrew Dominic movie. Uh, with Brad Pitt that I always forget the name of. Um, oh, Jesse James? No, no, no. Uh, you know, um, Killing Them Softly. Oh, Killing Them Softly. I thought because the the Robert Ford, you know, Jesse James movie is super long and contemplative. That's why I wasn't sure. Well, well Killing Them Softly is similarly structured and, and like similarly slow, but it's only 90 minutes. You know, because there's just not that much plot that actually happens, you know, and I think that's the case with, uh, you know, Drag the Cost Concrete and Brawl, Brawl in Cell Block 99. There's not that much plot that actually happens, uh, but he just stretches it out to be the length of this kind of epic. And I don't know, frankly, I, I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's a it's a very unique vision. Well, I mean, it's. He's made three movies, and we're talking about Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Dragged Across Concrete. It's impossible not to mention Bone Tomahawk, clearly, just because that was his directorial debut and he's only made three movies. But I I will say that was the interesting thing about Bone Tomahawk. I think that was why uh, he hit so many people's radar of different genre lovers, because he married horror and westerns and a kidnap like like he he played on these tropes but then he twisted them up and made something with such brutal violence 
that it also fell into like the grindhouse category, as you said. Mm-hmm. So he managed to to really do something interesting. And and as much as I love Dragged Across Concrete, I do still feel Bone Tomahawk is his best movie. I mean, honestly, hands down, stylistically. Uh, I mean, it it and now mind you, I'm a bit biased because I'm a hardcore western fan. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite genre. Uh, but I mean, now that you've now that you've seen all three, would you agree that's probably his best movie? Boy, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I, I think my favorite one of his, and I think um, his kind of greatest achievement to me is Dragged Across Concrete. Um, See, I, I can't really argue with that either because I love it. I, I just I think the fact that I love westerns is just playing too heavily into into like my thought process on it, but dragged is, is something special. It really is. Dragged feels more like, um, and you know, I, I've read some interviews and he, he's never given anything to indicate this, but just by, by watching his work, it feels to me like dragged is, is closer to, um, the kind of movies that he wants to make. Right. If that makes sense. Like, don't get me wrong. Bone Tomahawk is a great movie and it's a great idea for a movie and, um, and on and on and on. But usually, you know, when someone, you know, is really interested in the Western as a genre, they're really interested in it, you know, and, and other movies become kind of Westerns, even though, um, even though they're not actually set in the old West, you know, but for me, it feels like his, um, his kind of stylistic home is the the kind of movie that Dragged Across Concrete is, which is the exploitation grindhouse flick, you know. And he almost turns, like you said, he almost turns the Western into that in Bone Tomahawk. So, like, when I watched Dragged Across Concrete, I was like, oh, this is, like, this feels more like his his home base, you know. And don't get me wrong, Dragged Across Concrete, or... Uh, Bone Tomahawk is great, but Dragged, it just feels, uh, I don't know, man. And the fact that it's two, I think it's over two and a half hours long. I mean, this is a fucking long ass movie and it never, it never gets boring. It never, um, yeah, it's just, man, it's just fucking great. You know? Well, we've, we've talked about how weird the movies are from the seventies and how the seventies, I mean, I think I think we're beginning to somewhat close the gap, but we still can both admit it's it's more of like a kind of a blind lost decade for us in terms mm-hmm. of film watching. But the more I watch 70s movies and I watch directors who are obsessed with 70s movies, the more that I'm beginning to see like you give me a few more years to catch up. The 70s might end up being my favorite favorite decade of movies. Mm. Because there is something just so unique and special about them. And a minute ago, when you named that Don Siegel movie, Don Siegel and another very recent director we've talked about, who I picked, and this is not an accident, clearly, is Sam Peckinpah. Mm-hmm. He is, he's compared to those two a lot, specifically Peckinpah, because as we discussed in detail in that episode, he pulled no punches. He would make mean-spirited, unfiltered, violent over the top films the difference is i've read a lot about peck and paw and watched documentaries i've read a lot about zoller and watched the documentary on him that's free on youtube if you want to watch it for anybody listening 
Zoller is a much more pleasant person. Like Peck and Paul had some issues. <laughs> so I don't know where this darkness in Zoller comes from because this, you, you watch this guy and he's sitting there with Tori Kittles or he's sitting there with Vince Vine and they're talking and smiling. And this is the same guy who had the vision for some truly uniquely fucked up shit. Like when, when uh, I, I can never pronounce his name, but we both love him. He was in a, what was it? Baka, was it Bakaru from last year? That was on my top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Udo Kier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he's telling Vince Vine at the prison, and he's like, which we'll get into. I just want to, he's, he's like, yeah, we have, we have a doctor, an abortionist, who knows how to cut the limbs off of your child um, without killing them. <laughs> it's like, how did you even think of that? That is so uniquely <laughs> fucked up. It's just crazy. Now, speaking of which, I, I do want to say before we jump into Brawl, uh, we typically talk about older movies on here, so spoiler warnings are kind of dumb at that point for a movie that's 30, 40 years old. These movies are, are very recent, and I don't want them to be ruined for anybody who's listening and they're not familiar with Zoller. So mm-hmm. um, since he is a recent director, I'm giving you this warning. If you have not watched them, please pause this and go watch them because they are both so truly shocking in some parts. I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from you because uh, I'm sorry, but some of this shit is disturbing. Right. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about brawl and cell block 99. If you're ready to. Yeah, let's get into it, man. So um, yeah, it's a pretty basic plot as, as it, you know, it's, it's very, it's not your typical prison fight movie. Um, like I originally thought it was going to be when I saw it, which I was kind of disappointed because I was like, man, Bone Tomahawk was, was brilliant. And then he's just going to make this kind of prison fight movie. But that is not what you get. But essentially, it's a former boxer who who turns he gets fired from his job. So he turns to drug running and he ends up in prison. And um, that's the basis of the movie. But there is just a level of complexity and brutality in this movie and Vince Vaughn, man, I did not like True Detective season two, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I feel like no one liked that season. Um, but Vince Vaughn was fantastic, mm-hmm. even though the season was awful. And I feel like that really helped him turn a corner. He was great in Hacksaw Ridge. I know we've discussed that movie and you didn't like it, but I thought he was really good in it. So seeing him in this movie, he put on 15 pounds of muscle. He, he took boxing lessons and all that for like three months or so before he showed up on set. He is a imposing force. Like he is a huge, he's a huge motherfucker anyway. Mm-hmm. But when he gets in shape and puts that muscle on, he's, he is a scary guy. Um, so let's talk about it. What, what, what did you, what did you think of brawl? Like, do you think it's this weakest three of the three movies he's made? I mean, I think so, but I mean, you know, I mean, that's not to insult it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's not weak by any means. I don't think. I mean, I think it's really, really great. Um, I think to me, the main attraction here, especially when this movie came out in 2017, maybe the main, um, not main attraction, but the main oddity or the main reason that um, anybody even saw this movie was because of Vince Vaughn and the fact that he is playing such a um such a such a unique character you know for him and 
I'm I've never been a big Vince Vaughn fan. I just I don't I don't think I was maybe the right age or the right temperament to find him like really like funny or charming or whatever. But um, you know, uh, and, and th- this is something that happens a lot with genre directors. Like they, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like. Uh, you know you, you you when you start to see how like certain directors film women you start to get a read on how perverted they are you know what i mean and how horny they are for the particular actress and like you know the the best <laughs> the the people who make the actresses look best and shoot them the best are people who are obsessed with them like as far as their beauty or the way that they look or whatever um it's just a fact. And I think that, I think that, you know, Craig Zoller is, is really like fascinated and knows how to shoot frame and direct someone like Vince Vaughn and turn him into a genre movie um, star. I mean, there's no other word for it, a genre movie star, you know, Um, and to use his body and his height and his kind of hulking, um, uh, you know, build and and his like uh, like little beady eyes, and you know, it's really a physical performance. You know, obviously not just the violent acts, but just the way he moves around in the frame. It's really, I think this is really kind of an actor showcase um, in a way that both Bone Tomahawk and Dragged Across Concrete are not. That's I think what strikes me initially about Brawl and Cell Block 99. I mean, I mean, did you think in 2017 that Vince Vaughn had this in him? I mean, I certainly didn't. No, and you actually hit on something that I was going to bring up, which is, and, and just to double back, yeah, when I say weakest of the three, it's like when we talked about um, What's-His-Face, who, uh, who did uh, Whiplash, um, Chazelle. That's like saying, like, First Man or La La Land is the weakest of his movies. Like, it's just, it's, it's just a thing. Like, so, I mean, Brawl is, is by no means a light hitter. It still hits hard. Um, the difference to me with Dragged and with uh, Bone Tomahawk that you brought up that I, I, that I think is, is very important to his performance is those were ensemble movies. Like, you had a, a, a reasonable-sized cast of characters that were all fun to interact with in Bone Tomahawk Mm-hmm. And same with drag. Now, drag, they weren't always fun to interact with, but you know what I mean. Like, there's an ensemble. With Brawl, you had bit players, and he was the centerpiece. Like, he was the glue that held everything together. Right. And I, I, yeah, I'm a big Vince Vaughn fan. And I'm going all the way back to Swingers. Vince Vaughn can bring it. In Return to Paradise, he's fantastic in that. He's given these great dramatic performances before, but he kind of turned into this, like, six-foot, five like comedy machine where it was just like stop doing the same thing for like 10 years now mind you we got some funny movies out of it but i mean he he there was more there so i think true detective kind of awakened something in him so when he was in this movie like his his body his 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 over the way he talks the his body language everything about him made him like the perfect imposing force to kind of hold this entire movie together. And 
there's just something really impressive about that coming from such a like a hardcore comedy actor. Yeah, I mean the the whole movie I feel like revolves around him and the whole um you know the whole world that Zoller creates this this um this kind of bare knuckle you know grindhouse you know prison movie aesthetic i mean it's it it you know without vince vaughn's performance it would not work you know the way that it does i don't think well and i'll say this without without the actors being up for it if that makes sense like you know mel gibson if mel gibson is giving um uh giving one of his more theatrical performances or one of his more uh what's the word i'm looking for like like his manic performances you know that, that's kind of how that's that was kind of mel gibson's reputation early on in his career was this 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 kind of manic australian you know and if he's giving one of those performances like dragged across concrete is not the same movie you know it, to, to get the tone right you know these movies require a certain amount of buy-in from these actors and um and Vince Vaughn, I think, does it incredibly in this movie. Well, it's funny you say that about Mel Gibson, because obviously we're not talking about that yet, but I will say so I don't forget. There were scenes they would do, because like I said, I watched the documentary about Dragged on, on YouTube. It's, it's free on there for anybody that wants to watch it. There were scenes they would do, and then Zoller would be like, no, let's do it again. And Gibson would like, he was laughing, telling the story, because he's like, yeah, Zoller would just be like, no, I want it to be like you don't have a pulse in this scene. Mm. Like, I want it to be like you have, like, you're just like this shell. And they would do the take, and Gibson would deliver this super dry, like, soulless line, and it worked. Like, I agree with you. If he had been like the Martin Riggs crazy cop, like he was in Lethal Weapon, it would have never worked. Like it would have been too much. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's establishing a tone visually and thematically, and he just sticks to it. And, and you know, and everybody has to be game. You know what I mean? Everybody has to be. You know, like Vince Vaughn could have easily signed on to this movie and and you know turned it into you know whatever he wants to because I'm sure he's richer and more powerful than than Craig Zoller. You know, but like clearly they sign up um and bend to his will you know which is um i mean that's what that's what movie directing is right you know shaping um taking these actors and kind of mining whatever you can out of their whatever talent they're bringing you know to the table and it's um yeah i mean it's great it's a great performance and uh yeah he's great in it well uh i'm sorry you go ahead yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I was trying to think of what it is that makes, uh, you know, Brawl such an effective, um, such an effective genre movie and, and so hard hitting, you know, and so, um, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I guess, um, you know, I end up just talking about some of the features of the movie and then that's kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know how it kind of coheres into this, um, you know, this kind of spell of a movie. Like I'm thinking like, okay, well he, he takes, um, you know, 40 minutes worth of content or story or 90 minutes at best and turns it into two plus two hours plus, you know? And 
it's it's really slow and methodical and i don't know and and there's something about that that it's like he casts a spell on the screen it's like you're watching um you know it's like it's like i'll I'll tell you what it's like you remember those like we've talked about this before like tarantino knockoffs in the 90s where like they were trying to do these like ironic like wink you know like movies that that have like violence and shit in them you know and like this is this is that but like good (laughs) you know what i mean like it's uh and and also it's not like winky and and uh self-aware and all this other bullshit like it's just like he's just reconstructing it reconstructing these like exploitation movies and then treating them with the gravity of the fucking seventh seal you know what i mean like he's taking a 90 minute exploitation movie and he's treating it like it's wild strawberries or he's treating it like it's the godfather you know it's uh i don't know it's really really effective that's all i can say it's really a unique um vision of the world and frankly i mean one of the only people who's really doing these kinds of movies in a really exciting way you know well, I mean, I think it I think it says a lot when when you buy into what you're doing. I mean, he he clearly buys into this genre filmmaking that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you when you do that and you're and you're not treating it like it's very similar to doing slasher films in the 80s. Like when you watch Halloween which I know invented the slasher, but there's no tongue in cheek shit. When you watch the original Friday, the 13th, I mean, the first few were good. Um, there's not a lot of tongue in cheek. It didn't become a parody until later when they were like, Oh, let's see how many we can make. But that's because those directors bought into these two camp, these two counselors having sex and one of them getting decapitated. Right. And I know that's, I know that sounds dumb, but that's really how it works. Yeah. I mean, he buys into the process and I think it really helps that he is a he's a fantastic writer and and he he buys into these characters that he's creating. I mean, his imagery, his color composition, I mean, some of the shots, some of the colors he gets, not just in this, but in drag, he does a lot without doing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a gift. And and this is um a movie where, you know, I'm not dragged does not really have a lot of of there's some divisive things in dragged, uh, which we'll get to, but with brawl, I thought Jennifer Carpenter did a great job. Um, Zoller kind of has a mini reputation from the, from the few movies he's done about certain things, but I thought Carpenter was great, um, playing the girlfriend and, uh, and, and that was kind of a, a secondary thing, but their relationship was at the forefront. It's the reason he did everything he did. But when you look at him in the prison, like so so it's it's really it's 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 a super cut and dry plot guys he he gets arrested and then he gets told he has to kill this guy because he lost a bunch of money and uh they're going to kill they're going to kill his unborn child or, or maim it or whatever and uh he has to do something brutal to get sent to like maximum security which is when we run into Don Johnson who is fucking awesome I don't know what Don Johnson is doing with his career like, I don't know what he's trying to do over the last like 10 years, but he has turned in some of my favorite performances from him without even like F- almost effortlessly. Like when you look at him and Django 
or you look at him in this. There's a, there's another great movie he did that escapes the name escapes me, but it was Sam the, the late great Sam Shepard before he passed. He, he just he does things just without even trying, and I think he really works. He's also great. He has a very small scene and dragged, and it's a very powerful scene. So I mean, it's just there's something about this grindhouse feel. There's something about this unique way that he talks. You know, our lead character. Uh, that's something else Zoller is really good at. He writes a very unique way of communicating. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I'm a sucker for that. Like that will always, that will always win me over is when there's, there's unique phrases and things that these characters use because that's their way of communicating. We get a lot of that in Dragged Across Concrete and it really works. But um, yeah. It's great, man. I mean, I don't know. You want to, you want to get into Dragged? Because I'm, I'm just, I'm itching to talk about Dragged. <laughs> Yeah, I do want to say just real quick, a couple of things that I really liked um, about the way his character talked. First of all, one of his early lines is great. When he gets fired, he asks him how he's doing, and he says, are you okay? And he's like, I'm south of okay, north of cancer. I don't know why, (laughs) but I love that line. I just love saying south of okay in general. Yeah. Um, And then the, I love, dude, it's a small thing, but as I said, I'm kind of borderline obsessed with what Zoller is doing. I love how every time somebody calls him Brad, he says Bradley, like every time. And I, and that's just funny to me, but also unique and kind of charming to that character. I don't know if you picked up on that, but. Uh. He certainly um, got away with language or certainly thinks he has a way with language. <laughs> um, well, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I don't think. Like, you know, we, we somewhat have a disagreement on Aaron Sorkin, but I will agree with you about like, he, he writes like everybody in the room is like this Ivy league rogue scholar. Yes. And, and I think Zoller writes, he, he puts a specific language, especially with drag. He puts a specific language with the way the cops talk and a specific language with the way the criminals talk and a a certain level of eccentricness with the, with the, with the, criminals that that rob the bank which i really love um so i don't i don't think he's trying to be too cute i think he's just writing something that he finds to be kind of unique because in this homogenized movie world we live in you kind of have to do that otherwise no one will pay attention to you i agree and you know there there was there's a couple of moments in here where i'm just like Okay, like it's like, and when I say here, I mean dragged across concrete. Where like the banter between them is, um, is, and, and I will say I probably have a more sensitive antenna for that shit, just because it's it's a unique thing that that bugs me. You know what I mean? When dialogue tries to get overly clever, and this toes the line at certain points, but most of the time it's fine. Right. And, um, you know, with, uh, what, what is the thing that, that Vince Vaughn's character keeps saying, uh, as like a exclamation, um, uh, like, uh, fish sticks or something. What is it? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring to, honestly. <laughs> In drag, he keeps saying like, uh, Oh, he says fish sticks. Yeah. Does it fish sticks? No. He... I, I, I believe it's something, it's something along those lines. Now you've confused me. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. It's like um, uh sardines or something or. 
Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. I we're, <laughs> we would have to point to a specific scene, but yeah, I um, uh, uh, something else, real quick, I wanted to hit on before we move to drag is the fight choreography in Brawl. I saw when I was reading a few when I was reading a few reviews and whatnot back when this came out, I saw a few people talking about the clunky choreography and this and that. And that is bullshit because that choreography, like you can look up numerous scenes to show them training behind the scenes and stuff. If you ever watch a, a heavyweight UFC brawl, which is the most like that's the easiest thing I can reference here. These guys are usually six, four, six, five, sometimes 300 pounds you know, 290 pounds, somewhere in there. They move slow, but it's very powerful. And everything is, everything has a purpose. So when Vince Vaughn, this big guy, is throwing a guy against the wall, it looks like maybe he's not moving that much or something, but it's because he's so big and that's the way they move. So some of the fight choreography is really amazing, honestly, especially when he gets to the open prison yard it uh it's fantastic the sound editing is fantastic the overall like brutality and over the top nature of faces being scraped off and heads being crushed i mean it's it's all really well done and i am honestly sometimes i mean i i will tell you if i'm being a little over the top because of how much i like uh his movies but for this specific thing i feel like i i'm right like i feel like that it was it was just brutal enough and just realistic enough to uh just be a lot of fun i mean yeah i mean obviously i don't know um you know any of the details like that about like fight choreography or whatever i just know like aesthetically just watching it it just felt visceral and real and um and and violent you know what i mean real you know fucking (laughs) real violence that's not it's cartoony in the sense that it's a movie but it's not it's not cartoony and it's like effects at all um yeah i mean it's great it's great um so uh yeah man let's get to i just wanted to say that about the fight choreography just because i thought it was just it was really well done um but let's talk about dragged dragged is is a whole different beast of buddy cop crime drama weird shit is in this movie some shit where it's just like how did you even get there level of weird but it is a long haul. It's two hours and 38 minutes. Um, but basically, a couple of cops get suspended because they use uh, excessive force. So then they basically um, commit a crime because they feel they're owed proper compensation. Well, one of them does. The other one, I feel, just kind of goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, let's talk, man, because you just watched this for the first time. So what, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I thought it was incredible. I mean, to me, this counts. And by the way, what I was looking, what I was looking for was anchovies. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is a little corny, but whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I, uh, I, 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 I love this man. I mean, I, there's no other way around it. It was, it was incredible. I mean, there's, there's something that like, I feel like scratches an itch of mine that is just this pure genre you know, fair. And that's exactly what this is. And it's, um, it's just really well done, you know, and, and it, it feels like an epic. It really does in, in length and in, in operation. Like you really feel like you've seen something. I mean, you know, it's like, 
it, you know, it's like uh, he takes these things that should be incidental and should be um, efficient, you know, and like uh, quickly spelled out and just drags them out, no pun intended, uh, to uh, just insane levels. Like the Jennifer Carpenter storyline is fucking insane when you think about it how much how she doesn't appear until like an hour into the movie and she was on all the marketing i don't know if you saw remember the marketing she was on all of it she was on the poster her name was listed it was such a uh a a, a basically a a misguide like like a a misdirection for that character Mm -hmm. because she had such a big role in brawl what he did, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just want to, I just want to remind you. I don't know if you remember, but yeah, she played a huge role in marketing. Yeah, I mean, and she's a name actress. You know, people know her from Dexter and and all that. And to have her just show up an hour in, and then you know, just ceremoniously get gunned down in the middle of the bank. I mean, and to spend that much time on her backstory and the baby and the, I mean, it's just it's just incredible. Who else would do that? You know, I don't. And you're talking about it. This is a movie with this is an act. This is supposed to be an action movie with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. And we just have this like what feels like 25 minutes of extra screen time just devoted to this random person that gets shot at the bank. It's um, and, you know, something else. There's a lot that gets left off screen, too. Like there's a lot that we don't get shown and which is really effective because I feel like it's setting it up for the stuff that we do get shown. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it's just the way that he handles this shit is just incredible. I don't know. What did you think about, I want to talk a little bit about the kind of politics of the movie a little bit, because I feel like that, that shit can get kind of overblown, but I don't know. What do you make about the whole, the whole beginning and the police brutality and stuff? I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of had like a lot of different feelings on it, um, in a well, few, few different directions. Before I answer that, I want to give I want to say, man, the the unsung hero of this movie, because I am not I was not super familiar with him until I watched this. I've seen him in a few things, but he really shined in this movie. And that's Tori Kittles Mm. as Henry. He was fucking fantastic. I loved his story. I loved his character's introduction. I love the time that he that Zoller took to kind of flesh that character out a little bit. So we he puts you in a position to where two hours into this movie, you're rooting for two cops who are currently suspended for, for excessive force. And obviously since Michael J White's character biscuit was killed and we'll get to that. Um, (laughs) Tori Kittles, who is a, a criminal. We have no idea why he was in prison. We don't find out until the end. Um, you're rooting for both of these, for the both of these people, like these care, all these characters to succeed, and I think there's something special about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, and I also want to read just just real quick a a review, a top review from IMDb. Uh, waste a waste of more than two hours. What was Mel Gibson thinking when he accepted the role? This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and Gibson's worst. No action much unnecessary violence and an ending that almost made me destroy the TV. Extremely <laughs> boring. So, yeah. Um, so about the cop thing. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to use this. 
I'm just going to use this real quick because I've been think I, I think about it every time I watch this movie. I've seen this movie about five times now. And and something that I just told my wife a, a couple months ago came to mind after I finished this movie this time. I have been watching. This is I, just hear me out. We'll get here. I've been watching South Park, and the crazy thing about South Park is I cannot tell you what those guys, Parker and Stone, I cannot tell you what they believe about anything Mm -hmm. because they mock everything, right? They go after pro-life, pro-choice, religious groups, both sides of the government. They just make nonsense, and it's funny. And I like that, but I cannot tell you what their politics are because they're just so erratic with, with what they attack and everything. When I watch this movie and I see this beginning part inserted and then it ends with both of these guys dead, I cannot tell you what Zoller believes. I can't. Yeah. It, it's insane. Does he think that cops are too over-policed, no pun intended, and they deserve more compensation. Do they, should they be able to use more force? Are they underpaid? Should cops be more appreciated? Does Mel Gibson's character have a point? There's so much shit that he brings up. And, and honestly, like as crazy it is to say this, I think that it was kind of just a major troll. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it was just, cause this came out in 2018, man. Like the world was clearly a different place then, but one thing that hadn't changed and still hasn't is police brutality. I mean, two right. minorities, mind you. Um, so I don't know, man. When I when I when I watch the beginning of this and, and hear them talk, and especially the exchange between Don Johnson and and Mel Gibson's character, it just really makes me kind of think about what the fuck is he doing so i'm i'm gonna flip it i'm very curious to see what you think about it yeah i mean you know that that's one of the things i think that makes this movie so delightful is that you know there's this tendency you know in today's culture and i mean i'm guilty of it you know I, i will i will cop to it you know just as much as anybody of trying to read um politics into a movie you know what i mean what does this mean for uh like what is the point of view of the director or what if the you know and, and the the peak of that is the kind of uh nitwits <laughs> maybe is the <laughs> kindest word i can think of uh people who who want the, you know each movie to kind of adhere to their own you know personal political and moral ideology you know which um you know it, it really is kind of really stupid to uh, to think that, but boy, boy, do a lot of people think it, you know? Um, well, it's like, but like if you think that you kind of just want to live in an echo chamber and you want nothing that challenges your perspective, and I feel like almost everything in this movie regarding what we're discussing challenges your perspective one way or the other, which I find really interesting. Yeah, it's well, I I don't think I think like in an environment where, you know, everybody's kind of reading into what the ethics are behind it. I mean, Jesus Christ, the licorice pizza debate. And, you know, I mean, I'll I'll go back. I haven't seen that. So no spoilers. Oh, no, no, no. I just I I mean, just the the general age gap discourse, you know, and, um, 
you know, it's like I always default to, uh, you know, Christian Lorenzen, friend of the pod, who's just like, I cannot stress to you enough that this shit is fake. Like, it doesn't matter what you think of the movie. And in fact, in a real in a real way, it doesn't matter what's in the movie. Right. It's 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 fake. It's a work of art. Like, you know, it's um, we've I feel like we've gotten too caught up in this, like judging, you know, movies kind of morally. But anyways, one of the thing I liked, one of the things I like a lot about is that he uh, he completely just spits in the face of, of all of that by having completely incoherent politics. It's it's kind of impossible to even figure out what he is um, what he is kind of saying behind the scenes, right? And I think I also think I mean let's look at the specifics here, right? Because um, in the beginning, we have, you know, these two policemen, you know, obviously Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson doing this, uh, I don't know what they're doing, a drug bust or I don't know, they're apprehending criminals, whatever. Yeah, they're they're getting drugs at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they get somebody filmed them and, you know, we get them um, uh, committing a, an instance of police brutality. My thoughts while watching this was. Well, that didn't seem that bad. And the reason that I thought that is because over the past few years, we have been inundated with images of cops just fucking killing people, right? Just unarmed, just gunning down, you know, unarmed people. And, you know, we have a lot of video evidence of shit like that happening. And so, like, him putting his 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 boot, you know, too far down on this guy's neck, I mean... That just seemed like uh, that just seemed that seemed like old school in a way, you know what I mean? Like compared to some of the just fucking executions we see in the news and stuff that these cops are out here doing these days. And, oh yeah, I mean that that was yeah, just old school brutality, putting the cuffs on too tight, or busting somebody's shoulder, slamming him against something. I mean, yeah, he just he had his fate, he had his fucking boot on the back of his head and like was crushing his face into the into the fucking fire escape. <laughs> Right. And like, if, if, if I'm like pushed, like I'm not, not pushed, but like, obviously I will admit that's like just basic old school police brutality, but that, that feels quaint compared to some of the, some of the shit that we see, you know, in, in these cell phone videos and stuff. And, you know, to that guy, just like fucking choking the life out of George Floyd and it taking him, you know, eight minutes to, to choke the life out of him. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed, it seemed quaint almost. And I was like, well, okay, what to make of this, right? Is is Craig Zoller saying that police brutality isn't that bad? But then we get the scene of Don Johnson telling Mel Gibson, hey, you, you know, you put a little too much cast iron in that, more than you used to. And it was like, well, okay, maybe he's saying that it's not good. You know, and then we get, and then before that, we also get the big monologue about the media and, you know, uh, com- you know, the media, whatever, whatever. And you think, well, okay, well, whose side is he on? And that is one of the, uh, to me, one of the most inviting things about this moral universe is that you never really get a clear idea. And it's kind of a fool's game to even try to figure out like what, whose side he's on, you know, and figure out the like politics of this movie. I think the key takeaway from me is the fact that the the very scenario itself is shocking 
right? And I think they even I think they even like lean into it a little bit with some of the marketing and some of the conversation around this movie of like, oh, these are two um Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter cops who are the protagonists of this movie. And it's like I don't know if that's this movie. You know what I mean? But I also don't know if Craig Zoller himself would back down from people characterizing it that way because it's a way to get people to watch it, first of all. But it's also a way to shock people, right? Like, that's that's one of the few ways that you can legitimately shock people nowadays, especially, like, let's be honest, a mainly, you know, liberal audience who's going to watch this movie, like... You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 really, really, it's really, really an interesting, um, a, an interesting kind of political nut to kind of try to crack. And but the but the thing is, you can't crack it. Like this is it, his politics and his morality is all over the place. And at the end of the day, what he's doing is he's laying out this kind of, um, uh, you know nightmare world where this criminal underworld where people are just doing everything they can to survive, you know? And, uh, and that's, that's the world the movie takes place in. And, uh, boy, does it, does it work? You know, it's, it's just, it's incredible. I, I love it, you know? And, and just to continue that, like when you look at Mel Gibson, who has his own yeah kind of, questionable past with things he said and done i mean for me when i when this movie came out everybody was obviously jumping on the train of hating mel gibson and shit and i'm not here to defend mel gibson because i don't know shit about him aside from his movies but that's my point is the fact that you have to be able to separate the art from the artist because mel gibson turns in one of my favorite performances he's ever given in this Mm -hmm. movie he's fantastic um opposite Vince Vaughn they play well together when you start looking at the complicated nature of some of the things that they introduce in this movie or that that Zeller puts in here Zeller puts in here is like there's the the one thing I go back to that kind of tips you off but even then it's like are you just talking a certain way or are you really a racist like Mm-hmm. Are you can, can I say you're that these that this character like let's look at Mel Gibson's character who is who is clearly the one who probably has the most issues given the talk we get at the beginning Ridgeman mm-hmm. um can we say he's like a, a a misogynist judging on that scene with the drug dealer's girlfriend because then he goes home and he seems to be somewhat of an attentive father, the very the very brief moments we get, and he seems to be a caring husband. So there's all these things that he throws at you. And and then that's why I think it's kind of a troll. He kind of wrote he kind of wrote certain things to be like, I'm gonna fuck with these guys because Vince Vaughn has a black girlfriend who is very successful. And there's just some really interesting shit. There's some interesting decisions he makes that leaves you like. I don't know what to think about what's going on. Well, I, I tell you what I think. I, I think, you know, I think I think he's doing something that is really interesting, which is, and I think he is putting you on, I think by all these signifiers, right? Like, it's like, um, 
he's doing like an I'm not touching you routine, right? Where it's like, yeah, these are Blue Lives Matters cops. They're my protagonists. And then it's like, but they're actually not Blue Lives Matter cops. They seem like mostly decent guys. And like you said, oh, he's a misogynist or whatever. And then it's like, well, maybe he's not. And then it's, you know, like you said, the black girlfriend. And, you know, can it be emphasized enough that the main protagonist of the movie turns out to be a black guy who wins? You know, like, <laughs> like yeah, that that's that's the biggest thing. I was waiting to say that, but yeah, that's the biggest tip off. It's like he wins, he wins it all. He yeah. gets the house, he takes care of his mom, he takes care of his crippled son, who 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 was in a who, who he went to prison because he put the guy who put his son in a wheelchair in critical condition. He didn't go to prison for a drug deal. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to prison for for murdering some innocent bystander in a drive by or something. It's just it's very interesting. Yeah, and I think I think all those different signifiers kind of competing and and battling for the um for the uh the soul of the uh the viewer. I think what that serves to do is it puts you on unsteady footing. You know, and that is a very fun place to be in the kind of exploitation movie, right? Because you know, for well, first of all, I'll say this: like, there's really no such thing as like a liberal action movie, right? Because, you know, one of the classic liberal principles is usually um, nonviolence, and you know, I mean, you you get some kind of like um, attempts at this with you know, including um, you know, women in action movies, you know, you get kind of a gesture towards that. But I mean, it's not really like progressive to have people beating the shit out of each other. Like it doesn't line up with their ideology. So I don't think they're very good at making these kinds of movies. And so a lot of, a lot of movies that you have are, are like a, a lot of action movies are very often, you know, uh, kind of, conservative or like nationalistic you know, very militaristic right a lot of action movies are i mean shit all the marvel movies are basically you know funded by the department of defense at some point um and you know this flirts with that but never goes whole hog you know you're kind of the whole movie you're kind of wondering is this like is this some maga shit or is this some woke shit like which is it you know and being on that unsteady footing is a fun place to be as an audience member because then you can truly get shocked, right? Like when the truly shocking things actually happen, they're more effective because of because you're on that unsteady footing, if that makes sense. No, that no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that that's why these these shots of discomfort because you've done such a good job of building the tension, they hit so much harder. It mm-hmm. makes me think of another favorite filmmaker of mine and writer, Taylor Sheridan. Like when you look at Wind River, like that's a pretty like down drama about something horrific. And then there's just this fucking gunfight at the okay corral where like all these people die and get blown apart. <laughs> and that shit hit hard. Like that scene was so well constructed. So when you look at some of the violence in this scene, and it is so fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. The scene when Carpenter 
gets her her fingers blown off and then holds up her baby's little shoe and then gets her head blown off literally mm-hmm. it's fucking absurd um now the one thing i i want to mention before i forget is <laughs> when michael j white dies so <laughs> michael j white is the other uh friend to our our main i guess our main protagonist tori kittles henry him and henry and biscuit now, mind you, the other thing neither of us mentioned, which I don't think was an accident, Henry and Biscuit are two black guys driving for these criminals who are robbing a bank. Henry and Biscuit paint themselves white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Michael J. White gets shot in the legs repeatedly. He then swallows the key the criminals needs. Oh, my God. What a great he scene. Then, he then vomits it up while in excruciating pain from being shot numerous times, only to then pick it up and eat it again. <laughs> then they kill Honestly, him. that was one of the most hard dick things in the movie, him him choking that key down a second time. Oh, dude. Michael J. White is, is in that role, is fantastic. He played it so well. I, I, I love him anyway, going all the way back to, like, fucking Spawn. Uh, I think he's great, so I was glad to see him in this role when it came out. But, yeah, he played it great, man. He just fucking picked as soon as he vomited it up, you know, there's like 10 bullets in him. He just picks it up, eats it again. It's <laughs> hardcore. So then they kill him, drag him in the van. And this is the reason I'm well, hold on. I kind you, of, sk- you skipped one part there, which I think is really funny is when his buddy tries to rescue him and tries to drag him away and like just leaves half of him on the ground. And then it's like, oh, shit. And he's like, yeah, just leave me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going anywhere, pal. Just leave me. Well, it's it. what happens in the van is really interesting because not only is it just so graphic and gross, but I wanted I wanted to mention this and, and kind of talk about this before we wrap up on this movie, which is the the casual racism in the dialogue. And and it and it kind of comes up in this scene, and I think it's really interesting. One of I think the Russians, I don't fucking know, they're cutting him open to get the key, and and I mean that quite literally. You are watching them cut him open and watching them cut his intestines. I believe when they ask him where the key is, he says, "You might want to talk to a proctologist or something." It's hilarious, but um, yeah, and they're like they're like make sure you get it before it descends into his like lower intestines or whatever. Yeah, and he says, don't hit the liver. Livers stink, especially on black guys. <laughs> and, I, and and there's a couple of things. Also, going back to Vince Vaughn's line, where it, it seems like kind of a troll because he's he's wanting to marry a black woman. He says, I'm not racist. I order medium dark roast or whatever, like every Martin Luther King Day. Right. And that is a racist thing to say, but it goes back to the same thing we were just talking about. Are we to assume that Anthony loser, loser Lurasetti, the Italian cop, is he racist? I mean, it, I don't know, man. There's just, there's some casual lines that just crop up and you're like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why did you write that line? Right. Well, it's especially also- the liver line. <laughs> well, it's also kind of realistic in a way. Um, you know, I, I mean, my dad was um, 
you know, was someone who I would consider a racist, you know, I mean, he uh, certainly had a lot of uh, traditionally racist ideas, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, but all of his friends at work, he was a, he was a, it was a, a mail carrier and all of his friends at work were black people. Like he literally, that's like, he worked with like 90% black people and he had a retirement party and they, you know, like, and they're laughing at him. And I, I just remember being shocked when that happened. I was just kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, like what? Like, I had no idea that like all of my dad's work friends were black. Like it was just it was just so shocking to me, you know? And, yeah. uh, and that's, you know, that's real life, right? People who people can be friends with people and have no real animosity and yet say racist things and, and, you know, do like, you know what I mean? It felt like a, a an accurate reflection of how, um, you know, people in like blue collar, uh, jobs and stuff, uh, talk to each other. You know, it, yeah. I mean, and also it, it was an inappropriate joke to make about the coffee, but that's what you do when you feel like you're being attacked also. Like there's so many things that, that play into that. Like if someone's implied, like someone was clearly like implying that he was racist. So he makes that joke just to be an asshole that also doesn't make you a racist. And I'm sorry for anybody who thinks it does. I'm not saying I would have made the joke obviously, but I'm just saying like, there's a, there's, there is a lot of like, like you're saying about your dad, there's some complicated things that go into uh, where you're raised and, and also what you do for a living and shit like that. And I think this movie kind of tackles it. I think there's, there's some shit in this movie that makes you think about like, well, what does he think? Do I like these characters? Do I not like these characters? Do I, do I agree with these characters? And um, maybe I don't know, man. I mean, it's called Dragged Across Concrete. The movie's goal, in my opinion, is long runtime. It's it's violence that's just interspersed with with other with these long scenes of of conversation and tension building. It's you're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's why earlier when I said it's kind of weird, I consider this kind of a hangout movie because I've seen it so many times now. I'm not uncomfortable, but the first time you watch it, you will be. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a shocking, you know, a, a shockingly violent movie. And I think that's one of the things that the Zoller understands better than, I mean, a lot of people. And maybe, I mean, maybe you could say anybody working today, I don't know, um, which is that we want to be shocked when we watch these movies, when we watch these kind of like, slow burn exploitation movies we want to see some incredible shit happen that you know we don't see in our normal everyday lives and that is that is something he's really good at doing is making these kind of yeah just really really shocking out there you know movies that uh you know that that are really satisfying to me honestly like like really uh i really enjoy them you know and that's um yeah, it reminds it reminds me of another another Craig Z, uh, Craig Zobel, uh, The Hunt, uh, that movie. Um, that you came know, it's out. funny you keep going back to that movie because I watched it and I just I guess I should rewatch it, but I find it to be so forgettable. Don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, saying that that it, he is anywhere near the filmmaker that that Zoller is. Zoller is a real, you know, hard dick filmmaker, but. 
the hunt is is kind of shocking and plays in the same sandbox of being just kind of politically all over the place, you know, which which makes it a really effective movie, I think. And I like the movie, but it's nowhere near as it's nowhere near as good as as, as any of Zoller's stuff, you know. Well, now so. I just want to rewatch it, though, anyway, just to kind of see, because, yeah, you mentioned it a couple of times. So I'm curious. Yeah, it's um, a good it's it's a good movie. And it's it's it's. um um yeah it's 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 really fascinating and yeah it's i hope we get more of this you know this kind of like complicated morality and complicated politics you know because we're obviously mainstream culture is leaning in the other direction you know with these kind of didactic uh you know uh, didactic media and stuff and um you know i i would love to see more uh more of this kind of complex um uh, out there, you know, uh, genre stuff. And, um, yeah, but no, I mean, Zoller is just on a filmmaking level. He he's, he's miles above even that kind of just interesting thematic development. He, he's also just a great fucking movie maker. He makes these great movies and gets these great performances. And yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to keep following his career. Cause I think he's, he's a fantastic director. Also, I'm going to self-correct here. Uh, I was confused about another movie. I fucking love the hunt. I recommended that to you actually. So I take back what I said. I yeah. was thinking of it. I was thinking of a different movie. I fucking love that movie. It is amazing. Yeah. I was yeah. going to, I was going to say, I don't, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, I thought for sure that you had, had recognized that, but yeah, I was thinking of a different movie. So scratch that. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, I agree with you. Now that I'm back, now that I'm on the same page with you, I agree. Yeah. Now that, that makes perfect sense because it's one of those movies where, you you maybe watch the trailer or read the synopsis and get a certain idea and you're like, oh, well, this is going to line up with my political views. And then it's like, well, no, it lines up with no one's political views because it's fucking insane, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. So, yeah, I agree. Anyway, I, uh, I cannot, you know, I'll say Zoller's movies aren't for everybody. I feel like that's a safe statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, yeah. But I would also say I would also say, um, yeah, they're not for everybody, but they kind of should be. You know what I mean? Like people, people should be watching this shit. I mean, it just for the sake of fucking variety, you know? Oh, I agree with you. I'm glad that movies like this are being made and they're being made for cheap, because as I've said on this podcast, I mean, we both said it, but I've said it lately more because of the movies I've been seeing in theaters that are making no money and we're not going to see more movies like them, like nightmare alley or the last duel. I'm glad he's able to keep doing these movies, maintain control and do them so cheap because hopefully that means he can keep doing it. And maybe other filmmakers can do it because these movies perform really well on VOD. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there. I, I agree with you. They're not for everybody, but I feel like they should be just because there's something unique and different. And most people probably wouldn't put on a two and a half hour kind of crime drama movie. I mean, it's kind of a kind of drama, crime drama um, like that on maybe a Friday night. But you should because it's fucking fun and awesome. So, yeah, it's great. We need more movies like this. Um, yeah. Anyway, I. Uh, I want to say, you know, we've had some fantastic guests in the past on here, and some of those guests are sometimes maybe connected. I'm uh, throwing the gauntlet down. If any of you know how to communicate with Mr. Zoller, 
we'd we'd love to have him on the show, uh, just to talk. So reach out and uh, and, and let us know because we would appreciate it. Uh, don't tell him I'm obsessed with his work because that might creep him out. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, actually, just I'm gonna I'm gonna put it say anybody out there, anybody famous. Anybody who knows anybody uh, reasonably, you know, in the, uh, you know, the filmmaking world, uh, send them our way. Uh, yeah, for me, just just Zoller. I don't care. Oh, just Zoller. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna tweet um, about it now. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna tweet about it. Anybody know? Anybody know S. Craig Zoller? Well, you read my mind, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Silver Video. Follow us on Instagram at Silver Screen Video Podcast. I have not been very active on there. My apologies. I will change that. But uh, hit us up on there. Follow us. Let us know so you can find out what our new episodes are. Let us know what you're watching. And uh, let us know if you have any recommendations because uh, it's a new year, baby. And we are ready to uh, get after it. So anyway, do you have anything to add? Nah, man. Let's wrap it up. I was way off about your 35%, by the way. I feel like you did. You exceeded expectation. So. Oh, well, gee, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, however, uh, you know, I don't know. Se- I don't know. Well, I 70%? Did... I don't know. I No, no, no. I said an 81% chance it'd be a good episode. I did not dare voice the percentage in my head of what I thought when I would give something. I would contribute something. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I exceeded expectations to myself. Hey, that's uh, that's what's most important: exceeding your own expectations. Very true. I've, I've been told since I was a kid: aim low and you'll never miss. So it's true. Wait, I don't okay, think that's, don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. Go watch these movies; you will not regret it. You might have some nightmares, but deal with it. Uh, yeah, aside be a from that, grown up and deal with it. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? No, let's wrap it up. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Once again, don't forget Twitter, Instagram, all that good shit. Also, rate and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out. We appreciate it. The feedback is really nice to see. It uh, helps algorithms and all that. I don't understand it, but they exist. So, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week at the Silver Screen video. Video.